Well, what a, what a um, wonderful thing it is um, to be together this morning. I, I know, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I come into worship and there's a million different things going on in my head. Um, I'm thinking about all sorts of different things, but, but I was just struck by God's presence while I was sitting over there and just thought, man, what a blessing it is to be in God's presence and to be together with all of you today. So thank you for coming this morning, and I really do believe um, that God wants to speak to us today. And I believe that in this Christmas season, in this Advent season, that if, if we will just take some time and focus our minds and our hearts, that we will encounter Jesus. And so, so that's what we're after today. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know if any of you have noticed this, but, but how many days are left until Christmas? Eight? I was going to say nine, but maybe my math is nine. Nine days until Christmas, that seems, or eight, I don't know. Um, that's crazy, isn't it? Nine days until Christmas. How many of you have your shopping done? How many of you have not done a single bit of shopping? <laughs> Actually, I, I did buy a couple things online last night as I went to bed. It was pretty great. So I have done some shopping. Um, but Christmas is coming. In fact, next Sunday, I just want to let you know um, the things that are coming, on, coming up here in this Christmas season. Um, tonight, I, I know you guys have heard about this, but at 5 o'clock, we have the community Christmas concert, and we want all of you to come tonight. We want all of you. We want to pack this place. We're going to have a great time. We're going to invite our community in, and, and, and we're going to experience Christmas together. Um, and so tonight, 5 p.m., be here. Next Sunday, the 23rd, is going to be Christmas Sunday. Now, it is a normal, regular schedule, and so we're going to have connections at 9.30 and worship at 10.40, um, but that Christmas Sunday, next Sunday, the 23rd, and so we'd love for you to be here um, with us for that. And then on Monday, um, the 24th at 5 p.m., we'll have our Christmas Eve service and afterwards the Christmas Eve event. And so 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve, plan to be here. It'll be a wonderful time um, to focus on the coming of Christ. And so please be with us tonight, next Sunday, next Monday um, in this Christmas season. There is no better way to experience Christmas than to experience the reason why we celebrate Christmas, which is Jesus coming to earth. And so, so that's what we're all about. I hope that you'll make the effort to be here. Um, I, I want to start by saying what a wonderful thing it was last week. How many of you enjoyed the children last week, the children's musical? They did a great job, didn't they? I totally spaced out at the end. I, I talked about it the whole time. I thought about it. I was going to tell you that it will be online. And so most of you probably figured that out. But if you haven't figured that out, you can go to the website, um, westchesternaz.com, and you can see if, if you've got family members, if you've got kids and family members couldn't make it and you want to share it with them, it's on our website. It's archived, so you can check it out there. But I just want to say what a great job um, our children's ministry and all of our ministries do. I want to thank um, Pastor Emily and I want to thank um, Ruth Anderson for the work that she does with our preschoolers and just what a blessing it is to be able to hear God's Word through our children. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, today um, we're going to continue in um, this, this theme of encountering Christmas. And, and so I want to start with a question. When you see the manger, when you see the nativity scene, when you come to Christmas season and you look at or see the nativity scene, the manger, what do you think? 
What do you feel? Think about that. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think sometimes we see it and we think, oh, it's Christmas. Move on, right? Or, hey, I love Christmas. We're going to see decorations and all that stuff. What do you think of and what do you feel when you see the manger, when you see Jesus in the manger, when you see the nativity scene? What feelings does that invoke in you? That's what I want us to think about today. So two weeks ago, we started off our Advent series, and we, we, talk, we looked at, um, at the, the Gospel of Luke and, and the first chapter there, and we talked about the story of Zechariah, and we talked about hope. And the fact that as Zechariah found out um, that, that he was going to have a son miraculously, um, John the Baptist was coming, we, we realized that there is hope. In fact, if you missed that, you can go back and watch it online, but, but we talked about the fact that even in the midst of this miraculous thing, the only thing that he could talk about, he, he, he went silent for the whole time when he found out to when, he, when John the Baptist was born, he went silent, and, so it, and when he finally got his voice back, the only thing he could talk about was Jesus, because Jesus is it. Jesus is the thing. Jesus is everything. And in Jesus, we have hope. And so we looked at Luke's gospel, and Luke's gospel is probably the most detailed account of the Christmas story that we have. And now today I want to look at probably the least detailed account of the Christmas story we have, and that's in, in the book of John. And so I want us to look through, it go, we, we're going to go from the detail, this is how each thing happened, these are the little things that happened, to, to John's account, which is kind of this big picture account of what happens at Christmas. And so I want us to read together, and my goal is this, when I ask you, what do you think and feel when you experience or when you see the manger, my goal is this, I want you when you see Jesus, when you see a nativity, when you see the manger, I want you to understand, I want you to understand the magnitude of what that represents. That's the goal today. I want you to encounter Jesus today. And so we're going to start in John chapter 1, and we're going to, we're going to go through this in pieces, but, but I'm going to read 1 through 5 with you real quick. It says this, In the beginning was the Word... And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, so this can be kind of confusing if, if you don't know what this is talking about, but let's just look at it again. I want you to understand the word that he's talking about here is Jesus. And so let's read it again, understand. Most of you probably know that, but this can be confusing. So let's go again. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this, this is the beginning here. And, and John, I believe, has a very specific purpose in saying what he says here. And so I want us to look at what this means, and I want us to understand, because this is going to help us 
see the magnitude and feel the magnitude of what Jesus' birth really means. So he starts and he introduces us to the Word, Logos, the Word. That, that's what we're talking about here. The Word, Jesus is the Word. Why does John call Jesus the Word? Now, I've looked at a lot of different things. I've listened to different sermons. I've read different articles. And, and I'll be honest with you, a lot of them, I, I, I didn't love the portion that talked about why he uses the word. Some of them talked about, well, why didn't they use this? Why didn't they use this? But I, I stumbled on something that I thought was really cool. The word is something that both Hebrews and Greeks understood and talked about. The, the Hebrews, the Hebrew, um, the, Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew rabbis, the Jewish rabbis, they would talk about the Word when they talked about God. So when they would say God came, they, could, they would sometimes say the Word of God came. And so they understood the Word as God, this big picture God. On the other hand, we had the Greeks that also used the same idea of the Word, but when they talked about the Word, what they understood it as is the force or the presence that brings everything together, all of creation. So it's this, this God characteristic that brings everything together. And so John uses the Word because John wants everyone to understand exactly what he's talking about. He's talking about God. Whether you're Greek, whether you're Hebrew, regardless, you would understand the Word as God. John in chapter 20 says, he, he gives us his purpose for writing. He says, my, my purpose, he says, I could say, I could tell you a lot more than what I'm telling you. But, but I tell you this because the purpose I write this is that I want you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and through that belief, I want you to have life. So John's purpose in all of this writing, in all of this gospel, is that we will understand that Jesus is the Messiah. And that through that understanding and through that belief, we will have life. And so he starts off by saying, in the beginning was the Word. So immediately, the Hebrews, the Greeks are saying, in the beginning was God. Yeah, that's good. God, and we're all on the same page here. And, and, and then it says, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This, once again, could get a little bit confusing. If we read on down, which we will in a second, you'll see very clearly that when he says the Word, he's talking about Jesus, not just God, but Jesus specifically. And so there's a few things I want us to pick up here from just these, these first few verses. Number one, what John is telling us is, is a few different things. Number one, Jesus is fully God. John wants the readers, when he says, in the beginning was the Word, he wants his readers to think, yeah, God was at the beginning. But he wants them to understand that this is Jesus, and Jesus is fully God. Listen, th this is important, because there are a lot of people, and there have always been a lot of people through history that want to tell you that Jesus was just a good man. There's a lot of people that believe, hey... I like Jesus. He stands for good things. He was a good guy. But John is telling you right now, 
Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is fully God. He was in the beginning before all things. Jesus was there with God, and he was God. And so John introduces us to this concept of the Trinity, and I don't want to spend a lot of time because I could spend a lot of time and we would still leave here confused, but, but the understanding that Jesus existed in the beginning of time as God and with God. If you read, just real quick, if you read the Genesis account of creation, you'll see that in the Genesis account, when it talks about God creating, it uses plural. It, it, you, I don't know, what is that? Someone that knows English, help me. Adverb, noun, what is that? Adjective, whatever. I, I don't know my English. Sorry, I, I failed a lot of English classes growing up. But, but it uses the plural because God is not just one, God is three, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. And so Jesus was with God in the beginning, and Jesus is God. In fact, there are other times in Scriptures, in the baptism of Jesus, later on in His life, we see that the Father and the Spirit are there together, and they're all three there together because Jesus was with God, and Jesus is God. And so Jesus, this baby that we see in a manger, this man that walked the earth that some people would say was just a good guy, Jesus is God, fully God. Number two, John says that Jesus is the creator of all things. He says, he, he says in, in verse 3, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is the creative agent. Jesus created everything. So when we say in the beginning God created, we're saying Jesus created everything. What that means is that you and I and everything we see came into being because of Jesus the Creator, God. And so Jesus is fully God. Jesus is the Creator of all things. And then he says in verse 4, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Jesus is the life and the light for all mankind. We're going to come back to this in a little bit, but this is important. Jesus is the life and the light of all mankind. So when we go back to that creation story and we see that, that God created the heavens and the earth, and when we see God create man, what do we see? we see? We see that it's the breath of God that gives man life. Apart from Jesus, there is no life. Apart from Jesus, there is no life. Jesus is the creator, the origin of all life. You know what that means? You could not even believe in Jesus. There are, there are people walking around this earth that say Jesus didn't even exist. Guess what? Their very existence is because of Jesus. He is the giver of life, but we understand that that's not just our physical presence, that's also a, a spiritual presence, because when we see the creation at the beginning, we see that, that, that God creates man and puts him in the garden, and, and man has physical life, but he also has spiritual life. He has this relationship, he's invited into this, this trinity relationship, and man has life the way we were intended. And so Jesus is the life. And when we understand Jesus 
coming to earth, we understand that Jesus came to earth so that we could have light, uh, life. And then it says he is the light for all things. And so Jesus is the, the light. This world is full of darkness, isn't it? How many of you would agree with me that the world is full of darkness? It, it has been for a long time. Jesus is the light in the darkness. In fact, in the beginning, God created light. Jesus is the light. It comes from God. And so Jesus is the life and the light of all things. Only through the word, Jesus, do we have physical life. But only through the word, Jesus, can we have spiritual life. Can we be awakened from darkness and have life? Because Jesus is the life and the light. It goes on in verse 6, and it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only to witness to the light. So, so two weeks ago, we talked about Zechariah, and we talked about um, the, the, the birth of John the Baptist, and we saw that, that even for Zechariah, even for this proud father, even for this guy who was unable to have children... And, and this miraculous thing happened. It was all about Jesus. That's what this is saying. This is connecting the word with Jesus and saying John the Baptist was all about Jesus, who is the word. And so we have that connection. And so it's all about Jesus. And so these, these first five verses paint us a very important picture to understand today that Jesus baby Jesus, human Jesus, that we celebrate this Christmas season was fully God, is the creator of all things, and is the origin, the source of life and light for all things. Okay, so you got it? That's what John wants you to know right there at the beginning. That's who Jesus is. I want to switch gears for a second. We'll come back to all this, but I want to switch gears. And I want to ask you a question. And we're going to get interactive because I feel like you guys need to wake up a little bit. But, but we're going to get interactive. How do you know if you love someone or not? How do you know if someone loves you? Think about this. I really want you, I want you guys to talk about this with each other. How do we know if we are loved or not? Go. Talk about it. Deb, you can have an imaginary conversation with me if you want. <laughs> How do you know, how do you know if you love or somebody loves you? How do you know? What is it? Okay, all right, I heard they show it. How do they show it? Their actions, okay. What, what else are you guys hearing? Come on, what are you saying? What are you hearing? How do we know if someone loves us? It's unconditional? I missed it, what? We can feel it, okay. Let me make, I believe, this, I, I, I don't think I'm wrong on this, but a big part of how we know somebody loves us or doesn't love us is in what they're willing to give for us, right? You know someone loves you. I mean, if somebody just says, yeah, I love you, but they never give anything, they never sacrifice anything, do you, do you really know that they love you? 
You know people love you because they give. In fact, this is in all of our music. I have, I have two examples here, uh, two songs. One, one of the most famous songs, one that you'll hear all the time, I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more just to be the man who walked 1,000 miles to fall down at your door. That's love, isn't it? I mean, I would walk 1,000 miles just to be the man that could fall down at your door. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's love. Or, or how about another one? This one, you hear this one at weddings all the time. I, this one, by the way, this blew my mind this week. I'll explain in a second. But I'd go hungry. I'd go black and blue. I'd go crawling down the avenue. There is nothing that I wouldn't do to make you feel my love. That's pretty good, isn't it? All right, now let me tell you how that blew my mind. I, I'm, I probably don't have time for this, but I gotta tell you. I always thought the words for that song were, I'd go hungry, I'd go blind for you, I'd go crawling down the aisle for you. Am I the only one that thought that? Yes? I, I know I'm not because I Googled, I'd go hungry, and get the first thing that came up was, I'd go blind. And, I always thought that, in fact, I had to go back and watch the YouTube videos of Garth Brooks and Bob Dylan singing it to realize, no, those aren't the words. But once again, it's, I'd do anything for you. That's how we measure love, isn't it? In, in, in my marriage, when we talk about how much we love each other, usually it revolves around some sort of sacrifice or giving. Like probably the one that we say the most is like when we go to Chewy's for dinner, and I absolutely love their creamy jalapeno ranch sauce. And so I always get a thing to go, and it's in the refrigerator, and I'm always so excited to eat that the next day. But occasionally, Megan will need something to eat for dinner. And I'll say, you know what? You can have my Chewies, because I love you. And she says, man, you really do love me. You, you would give up your leftovers for me? <laughs> you guys say that stuff, right? Yeah, that's how we... I remember when, when, we were, when we were dating and there was a wedding and it was on the Saturday of the Red River shootout. So Texas and Oklahoma, I was a big Texas football fan. And I mean, that's one of the biggest games of the year. And I remember there was this wedding and I know I can't say this in front of the church too many times, but I don't love weddings. I, I really, I, I especially didn't love weddings back in the day. Now doing them is a little different, that's cool. I'm just saying this so you won't think I'm a bad person, but, but I don't love them. And so, the biggest football game of the year, or going to a wedding in Mount Vernon of all places, three hours away, going to a wedding with, with my girlfriend. And guess what I did? I went to the wedding. Why? Because I loved her. And I think that helped her know that I loved her. That's how we measure it, isn't it? So I want us to understand we measure love by what people are willing to give for us. When somebody gives something to you, you understand. When somebody sacrifices something for you, you understand that they love you. Well, what does this tell us about what John is saying? I want us to put this together. So John is telling us something about Jesus in this passage. And so I want us to get this. If, if we think love is sharing leftovers or missing the football game or walking a thousand miles or, or going hungry and black and blue and crawling down an avenue, if we think that's what love is, man, we're going to experience some love today. We're going to experience some love today. 
Because Jesus loves us. And today, we're going to encounter Christmas by encountering God's love, Jesus' love for us. And so, so let's go on. If we're going to encounter it, I want us to understand what this baby in a manger really means. In verse 9, it says, the true light. So Jesus is the life and the light of all mankind. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into this world. And then it goes on, he says, he was in the world, and even though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, his own created beings, he came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And then verse 14, this is, you'll hear this all the time. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I, I don't want you to take this lightly. John has just said that Jesus, the Word, is fully God. He is the God that was there at the beginning, that created everything. Jesus is fully God. And then he says, he came into the world. At verse 14 it says, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I want us to, I want us to feel this. So let me get this straight. Jesus was there at the beginning. Jesus created everything, created all of us, created all of this. And then what happened? We blew it. We blew it big time. We made a mess of Jesus' creation. We made a mess of it. Adam and Eve chose. that They said, thanks a lot, God, but I'm going to do it my way. And they made a mess of everything. And so Jesus, fully God, before the beginning of time, all-powerful, creates, gives us a paradise, and we blow it. And some of you are sitting there thinking, yeah, Adam and Eve, they were really silly. But the truth is, we blow it, don't we? We make a mess of this life that God has given us, whether it's through selfishness, whether it's through not getting along, whether it's through whatever it is, we make a mess of the life that God has given us. We blow it constantly. But Jesus, listen to this, but Jesus, out of love for us, chose, even after we messed it up, he, he created us, here's paradise, and we messed it up and brought darkness in and blew it. And he chose to become one of us because he loved us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The reason Jesus is in the manger is because Jesus, the creator God, loves us. Even though we've blown it, we've messed up big time. And so Jesus chooses to enter this dark, chaotic, messed up world. Jesus chooses to take on flesh. And this is big. I want you to understand this is big. When you're a kid and, the, and you, have, you have three wishes, what's your first wish? To have a million wishes. 
Why is your first wish to have a million wishes? Because if you have a million wishes, you control everything, right? It does, if you wish three things and then something else comes up, I don't have it, but if you have a million, you've kind of got this like God-like feel, like I can control everything, I can get everything I want. I want you to understand, Jesus is fully God. Jesus was there before time. Jesus is all-powerful. He created everything. He had exactly what those little kids want, everything. And he chose to become flesh, to, to come as a baby. Now, that may not seem like much, but, but walking into darkness, walking into flesh, that's no small thing for a creator God. That's, that's coming down to his own creation. And, and so he gave up all that for our sake. Now, I believe Jesus was fully God still, but he came as a baby and took on flesh. Here's the thing about flesh. Flesh feels pain, doesn't it? I would tell you to pinch the person next to you, but I hate being pinched, so I'm not going to tell you to do that. If somebody next to you pinched you, you would feel pain. <laughs> Jesus took on flesh. Flesh feels pain. I played, I've been playing a new game lately with some of the guys, pickleball, and, and I'm not 25 years old anymore is what I've realized. And so I go and I play, and then the next three days, what do I feel? I feel pain. My shoulder today hurts so bad, and I don't even know why. Flesh feels pain. Flesh gets cold, gets hot. I, we got this dog a few weeks ago, and, and the dog wants to go out every night, and it's wintertime. And so I got to take this dog out and stand there while the dog just walks around sniffing everything. And I'm like, come on, dog, it's cold. Listen, I know that it's our every day, but, but flesh, it's tough, right? How many of you have dealt with pain in your body, in your flesh that, I mean, I've had back pain before. I know some of you are dealing with that right now. That's, that's not fun. And God, Jesus, the creator God, who has everything, can do anything, because he loved us so much, he took on flesh. He came fully human. Man, that's love. That's love to take. You talk about walking a thousand miles, that's nothing. How about being God and becoming flesh, becoming vulnerable, becoming something that can hurt and feels and can be cold and can ache? Jesus became flesh, and that wasn't even all of it, because he became flesh in a manger. It's not like Jesus said, I'm God, so I'm going to become flesh, but I'm going to insulate myself by, by coming to a perfectly air-conditioned and heated palace, and I'm going to have 20,000 people serving me. That's not how this happened. Jesus became flesh. Jesus became totally vulnerable, was born in a manger, he didn't shield himself from the pain. He didn't shield himself from the cold. He didn't shield himself from brokenness. He walked into darkness, became flesh because he loved us. And, and it goes further than that. Because why did he become flesh? Well, he became flesh to give us life and to give us light. He created, we blew it, we living in darkness, and Jesus loved us so much that he became flesh to feel pain, 
But the reason he became flesh is because ultimately he knew he was going to go to a cross and die so that we could have life. This is an amazing story, guys. I don't know if you've ever been struggling to feel loved, but you have a God. You have Jesus who loves you more than you can ever imagine, who gives you life and light, and then when you blow it, guess what he does? He lowers himself to be a human so that you can have life and light again. Jesus came to die so that we could have life and light so that, so that that paradise could be restored, so that we could see what's true and what's not true, so that we could see the light of Jesus. Man, that is love. Why, why would Jesus do that? Why would Jesus do that? Well, I've got a theory. I'm already emotional. I thought I would get emotional at this point. I'm already emotional. When, we, when I was in second grade, <clears throat> My family moved down to Texas. My dad was a pastor. He was a youth pastor at Springdale Church, and then he went down and took a church in Texas. I had, I had three really close friends. I had Andy Dunn, I had Ryan Hall, and I had Ryan Betcher, and I, and I loved my friends. And we picked up in second grade, and we moved down there, and I was brokenhearted. I gotta lighten it up. One time, Deb asked me to sing in front of everyone. I don't even know if she asked me, but somehow I got up to sing in front of everyone, and the song I chose was Friends or Friends Forever, which you guys know me, that was a really stupid pick <laughs> because I did what I always do, and I just started bawling in the middle of it, and I couldn't even get through it, and I was brokenhearted. I was struggling. And, and my dad walked into my room one night. I was doing what I always do. I was crying because I was brokenhearted. And he said, what can I do, son? And I said, he, he lucked out. Because he's told me since that I didn't know it at the time, but he said, you know what? I loved you so much that I was willing to do anything. I was willing to get in the car and drive you to Ohio so you could see your friends if it would make you okay. Man, that's love. He lucked out. I just wanted to go hang out with my friends at school. But I believe that the reason Jesus became flesh, the reason Jesus took on pain, the reason Jesus became vulnerable, is because he just loves us. We're his children. We're his creation. And he could have said, you know what, those guys stink. On with them. But he loved us so much that like a father... I'd do anything for them. And so he became flesh. He became flesh so he could go to a cross to die so that we, even though we'd already blown it, could have life and could have light. And guess what? We missed it. <laughs> we missed it. It says in verse 10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but they did not receive him. This is still happening today. There are still people who won't receive their creator that loves them so much that, that he's giving them another chance, pursuing them. They missed it. And we miss it all the time, don't we? But Jesus came the light 
the life of all mankind, the creator God, the one and only God came out of love for us. So let me ask you again. When you see Jesus in a manger, when you think about the nativity, what is it that you feel? Because I want you to understand that what you should feel is loved. You should understand that God loves you so much that he will pursue you even to taking on flesh and going to a cross. Jesus came in a manger because Jesus loves his children. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And so I want you to understand that Jesus came to give us life and light, to give us life as it was intended. Physical life, but more than that, to give us spiritual life so that we could be alive and have that paradise, that relationship with the Creator, to give us life again. He came to give us light. The truth is we still live in a dark world. Even if I believe in Jesus and I have the life and the light, somebody around me doesn't, right? And so we live in darkness. There's still hatred. There's still sickness. There's still stuff that's messed up all around us. Jesus came so that we could have life. Jesus came so that we can have light. And I think that's huge because sometimes... We experience darkness in our life, but Jesus came so that we could see what's what. Because if you experience darkness, but you know you have the life and the light, it's okay. It's okay if you get diagnosed. It's okay if someone's mean to you. It's okay if you're heartbroken. Because the Creator God, your Creator God chose to come and take on flesh so that you could have life and light and understand this last thing. He came so that we could be children of God again. We could be a part of God's kingdom. We could have it all again. And so what does that baby mean? That baby means that God loves us. And God has given us life and God is giving us light and God wants us once again to be his children. Christmas is when we encounter and understand that God loves us so much that he came to earth and took on flesh so that we could have life and we could have light. I've got some good news for you today. Even though the nativity scene that we, we, uh, we talk about and we experience each year, even though that happened 2,000 years ago, even though that was a long time ago, I want you to understand this morning that the love that's represented in that baby is still at work today. A God that loves you so much that he would take on flesh and he would go to a cross isn't going to give up on you. God loves you. And I know that some of you have blown it. And I know that some of you have, have missed the life that God has for you. I want you to understand right now that this year, today, Jesus came 2,000 years ago, but Jesus is still knocking at the door and still loves you just as much and still wants you to have life as it was intended to be. And some of you today, you could use some light, couldn't you? You're surrounded by darkness. Jesus wants to be your light today. 
Jesus wants you to be a child of God. And so today we come together, and, and as we have been, we, we're going to light an Advent candle. We're going to light the candle of love because the light is still shining today. And God is still passionately in love with you, and God is still pursuing you, giving life, giving light, giving everything. And so today, I want you to encounter Christmas, but more than that, I want you to encounter Jesus, who was fully God, who was there at the beginning of time, who created, but came, took on flesh, so that we could have life. The, the band's going to come up, and we're going we're gonna to sing one last song. And, and I just want to invite you. We can't talk about life, and we can't talk about light without giving you an opportunity to respond. Because if you're out there, and you're not experiencing the life that Jesus came to give you, I want you to understand you can experience that today. And so if that's you, I would just ask you to come forward I would just ask you to come and kneel and say, God, I want to experience you today. I want to experience that love. I don't feel loved. I don't feel like I'm living life, but, but Jesus, give me life today. And for some of you, you just need the light. You need in this Christmas season for Jesus to remind you that you're loved, to remind you that you have life. And so if that's you today, if you're just living in a place of struggling with darkness, the light is here for you. Come and pray. Father, we come before you today, and I, I thank you for a, a human father that loved me so much that he would do just about anything for me. But more than that, Lord, I thank you that you love me so much that you would give up. You would give up all of the comfort, all of, the, all of that that you had. You would take on flesh. You would walk among us. You would hurt. You would get cold. You would, you would feel pain. Ultimately, you would die on a cross so that I, wretched old me, could have life. And so, Lord, we, we come before you today, and I just pray that none of us would leave here this morning without experience the, experiencing the life and the light that you offer, Lord. Lord, we humble ourselves before you now. In Jesus' name, amen.